Would you stand with me for the reading of our scripture tonight? We're going to look in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, you, that the gift of, for the gift you have given us in your son. And God, we celebrate his birth even now as we are so grateful for this gift. God, we pray your blessing on the word tonight. We pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive what you want to say to us, God, to help us to better walk through these days of celebration and understand more and more about who you are and who you desire to be in our lives. Bless the word tonight. Bless our pastor as he comes to share, and let us be better people when we walk out of these doors because your words have been planted in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The wise men, the wise men are not believed to be uh, student, are not believed to be Jewish men. They're, they're believed to be men from maybe one of the places where the, the Jewish people had been carried into exile. And as they were carried into exile, some of the Jewish writings uh, were there. And these were men who studied those kind of things. And they had studied these writings, these Jewish writings. And in the midst of their study, they see an unusual event in the skies, a star. And they take it as a sign, as a prophetic sign, that what they had seen in these writings of the Jewish people was actually taking place. It's no wonder that we call them wise men. They were people who were seeking out the word and 
they knew enough to see when they saw it to to seek him out and to believe it and they were humble enough to bring gifts uh, gifts have become a, a great part of, of Christmas and in modern time I I always like asking people what they want and like to hear what different people want for Christmas and I love asking kids what they want they they're uh, they're more free to tell you everything they want than adults are at times. But I, what I do remember is I remember when I transitioned in my life. Do you remember this? When you transitioned in your life from being the child at home that if you gave your parent anything, maybe you made it at Sunday school or you made it at, at school or you made it in your bedroom and you brought that out and gave that to mom and dad for your Christmas present if you gave them anything at all and, and I remember transitioning from that point and wanting to get my mom and dad something that they would like wanting to get them something that would be practical and usable for them and and I remember facing and beginning to face a dilemma that I would have uh, from then on from that day to this day it's the dilemma of how do you get some, something for someone when you are in a much more limited income than they are and whenever they want something, they just go out and get it. Have you ever, is any, am I the only person that's ever faced that dilemma? What do you get for them? How, 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 do you, how do you do something for them? And I wish I had some good advice for you. I don't, so good luck with that. It's one of the things that's going around on Facebook right now. Maybe you've noticed it. I've seen this on, on a couple of people's sites, and it says this. My children ask me, uh, each year ask me the same question. After thinking about it, I decided I'd give them my real answer. What do I want for Christmas? I want you. I want you to keep coming around. I want you to ask me questions, ask my advice, tell me your problems, ask my opinion, ask for my help. I want you to come over and rant about your problems and rant about life, whatever. Tell me about your job, your school, your worries. I want you to continue sharing your life with me. Come over and laugh with me or laugh at me. I don't care. Hearing you laugh is music to me. I spent the better part of my life raising you the best way I knew how. And I'm not bragging, but I did a pretty good job. Now give me time to sit back and admire my work. I'm pretty proud of it. Raid my refrigerator. Help yourself. I really don't mind. In fact, I wouldn't want it any other way. I want you to spend your money making, making a better life for yourself and save for your future. I want you to stay faithful to our Lord and go to church and pray often. I have, I have the things I need. I want to see you happy and healthy. When you ask me what I want for Christmas, I say nothing because you, you've always given me, you've already been giving me my gift all year. I want you exactly what I've always wanted. Isn't that sweet? I want my kids to take note of one thing. I never posted that on my Facebook page. I, I love you. All those things are true. But when you were young and didn't have a job and you were bringing me stuff that you made in the bedroom, I bought you stuff. Don't forget that. You've got jobs now. You've got jobs now. Bring some stuff over when you come.
Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. amen. <laughs> Isn't life fun? How do we say thanks to God? What do we get God? I mean, he is the ultimate tough buy, isn't he? God owns everything. And he's given us everything. Even the very breath of life and the hope of heaven. The wise men had it a little bit easier. Jesus had come in the form of a baby. They just brought some expensive gifts The symbolism of those gifts is interesting to look at. They probably had no idea what the symbolism meant. They they probably weren't thinking symbolism. They They were probably just thinking that they were coming to see a king, a prince, and they were looking for a prince in a palace. And in that day and age, if you're going to go see a prince in a palace, you better bring something nice. It was part of the cultural response, and so they had brought something nice. They were probably surprised when the star rested over a a barn and a manger, a bunch of poor people, but they were wise enough to recognize this is him. This is where we've been led, and they didn't let that stop them. The wise men knew something was up, and they wanted to respect what was that respect that happening. Now here we are today. We know who Jesus is. We know that he is the son of God. We know he is the great creator. We sing about it even in our Christmas hymns. We know that he's the great mercy giver and that every one of us need mercy. We know he's the great redeemer, taking all that we've lost and all that we've blown and all that we've messed up and bringing healing to it. We know that he is the soon coming king, that someday he's going to come to this messed up world. And if you watch the news at all, you know the world's messed up. All the pain, all the suffering, all the things going on in this world is a sign of the outworking of a sin nature in man. And us doing things that are horrific. And we know Jesus is the only one that's going to fix that. And we know today that he is the judge of the great and the small. The most popular to the least known will stand before him today, someday, and answer to him. It should elicit a response from us. We should do something. When the wise men, when they saw the signs, they took action to find him. And we should take action to find him and to know him and to know everything about him that we can. We should be serious students of who Jesus is. Not casual ones, not just thinking that, oh, I've been raised around church or the American culture gives me enough. Uh, We should be serious students of Jesus. We should seek to find him and to seek to know him in our life. When the wise men saw him, they took action to worship him. And when you really know what Jesus has done for you, you'll want to worship him too. So what is our right response to Jesus the King? I remember many times when I was young asking my parents over the years, what do you want? And when I was a little guy you know, running around, 
my parents would say something to me like, oh, we just want you to be a good boy. You know, just be a good boy. Just do your schoolwork and be a good boy. That's all you need to give to us. You don't need to get me anything else. But when your heart wants to bless somebody, you naturally want to do more than that. You want to be part of the festivities. You want to be part of what's going on. And when our heart's right towards God, we want to, be part, we want to have a, some part of saying thank you to him. We recognize that we're not doing him a favor by coming here tonight. We're not doing him a favor by choosing to follow him. He's doing us one. He's doing something good for us. So what do we give God? And I want to tell you today, I I think giving to God is really easier than you think. I think there's something God definitely wants out of us. And he wants it out of each and every one of us. I think it's where we show that we've really learned from him and we're really followers of him. See, God has given us gifts. He's given us talents. And he's given us resources that are supposed to be used to bless others. He has blessed us to be a blessing As God sent his son in love to change the world, he gifts us, gives to us, so that we can change our worlds. There are many ways and many things that we can and should do as the body of Christ. There are things as a church we should do, ministries that we should support, ministries that we should be in, outreaches into our community that we should be a part of, inviting people to church. You've got a chance even this week to get some of those invite cards and go to your friends that don't go to church and say, listen, it's Christmas Eve. You ought to at least come on Christmas Eve. We can do something. Because, see, God loves that friend of yours. He cares about that neighbor. He wants them to know the truth as well. And so there's something that God puts inside of us and gives us the opportunity that we can do. And as a church, as a group, we should do all of those things. We should build children's ministries and youth ministries and small group ministries. We should give ourselves to them and build them so we give back into this community and help touch people in our community. But let me tell you, there's there's even deeper things that we can do. Do you know someone in need? I mean, personally, do you know someone? Not someone that the church should rally behind. Somebody that you just know. Something that you can just do. Someone who's sick or someone who's depressed or someone who's alone. Someone who's not physically able to do something, some things for themselves that you can go clean up their yard or you can take them a meal or you can make some cookies for them and take them to them. You can spend some time alone with them. You can go chip the ice off of their sidewalk. Listen, a Christmas miracle may simply be a bag of groceries. A Christmas miracle may simply be taking somebody's car and 
cleaning it up for them and filling it up with gas. A, a Christmas miracle may just be a gift card that allows them to do something they couldn't have done on their own. A Christmas miracle may just be some time spent with someone who would be alone. And, and here's, the, here's the, the bottom line of all of it. Every Christian can do something. Every one of us can see somebody in our life, look around us, and say, God, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to bless somebody today. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to go and do something for someone. See, I, I, th- I think that's the gift that God wants from us. I think he wants us to get involved in his kingdom. I think he wants us to to not just sit down and ask God, what is the kingdom going to give me next and how are you going to fulfill me next? I I think God wants us to start saying, God, what have you given me that I can bless others? As you bless me, how can I bless others? How can I do that united with the body and how can I do that one-on-one in my life? And there are so many Wonderful ministries that you can get involved with in the church or, as we've talked so many times, safe families that you can get involved in or one of the shelters that you can go down to and help give food at or one of the places that you can get involved in some way if you'll just say, you know what, God has given me great things and I want to give back to others. We please God when we take the gifts that he's given to us and we do something with them to serve others. Can I challenge you? I just want to challenge you tonight, so I'm, I'm going to. If you're involved in a ministry at the church, you should be. If you sing in the choir, then sing in the choir. Show up every week to practice on time and say, God, you've given me the ability to sing. You've given me the time to give. I, I don't want to do this halfway. I'm going to do it all the way. If you teach children, then pray for them every week. Seek God for those children. Pour your life into them. Teach them. Speak into their life. Don't take it, don't take it part way. Say, how, how do I get better at this? How do I learn more? How do I increase the gift that God's given me to love children and to serve them? How do I take the fullness of what I have? Jesus gave us the fullness of what he was. He came and did what only he could do. And now God gifts us. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, it kind of blows my mind some, sometimes when I see Christians who kind of halfway commit to something. Jesus didn't halfway commit, did he? He committed all the way. He committed to the point that he pleaded, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But he did that for you and for me. We are most like Jesus when we are serving people because he came to serve us. The wise men had some things they could bring. And I think God wants to release his people filled with gifts to help other people. I think he wants to release you, every one of us in this room, to go into our community and to serve the people around us. That when we hear about a need and we hear about something, that we 
filled with the gifts of God, speak encouraging words, do acts of kindness, use the resources that we have, open our homes to someone for a meal. His body, doing the things in Jesus' name, great and small, but his spirit flowing through us allow us to make a difference in the world. I want to tell you today, you're called to serve. If we're following Christ, we're going to be like him. We're called to serve. A couple of, couple of weeks ago, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law were at a, at a restaurant. And uh, they saw a man in the restaurant eating alone. And, and they felt led to buy his dinner. They just felt led. To, to something in their spirit felt they felt led to buy his dinner. And so they called the waitress over and told them, we want to buy his dinner. Don't want him to know who did this. Just, we're just going to buy his dinner. And they bought this man's dinner. A few minutes later, in, a, in this crowded restaurant, the man stood up. And he announced in this crowded restaurant, a bunch of people there. He said, I am told that somebody bought my dinner. My mother taught me to never take anything without giving something back. So I'm going to sing a song. (laughs) And the middle of this restaurant, he began to sing, I believe it was Joy to the World. And people began to join in with him and sing with him. An atmosphere-changing moment. Yeah, amen. There's lessons on both sides of that. The lesson to be obedient when God urges you to do something. And the lesson to say, if I've been given something, I want to give back. That's a Christ-like spirit. That when, we, when something is given to us, as God gave his son for us, that we become generous in our giving back to others. God has not only given you the gift of his son, he's given you a gift that you can return. Something that you can do. You may not be able to buy the meal for the guy sitting alone, but when somebody does something for you, you may be able to stand and sing the song. Are you willing to give back? We change the atmosphere in our homes. We change them in our workplaces. We can change them in our community. If we will seize the moments before us and serve and give. Let me ask you a really serious question. How do you feel in your spirit? How do you feel when the offering plate goes by. Let's get this by me real quick so nobody sees I didn't put anything in. Oh, here's, here's, my, here's my tip. I know I should do something. Or have you found the joy of giving? Have you discovered what it is that when you sit there and you say, God has given me life and he's given me a job and he's given me ability and wow, I get the ability to invest in his kingdom and give so that the ministry moves forward and other people are touched. This is a joy to be able to do this. Have you found that joy yet? Hey, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to take a real hard look at Jesus. 
and say, what does he teach us? There should be some joy in our heart. There should be some excitement in us. How do you feel, what do you think when you hear about somebody's need around you? You think, oh, that's, that's too bad. I feel bad about that. You think, oh, wow, somebody ought to do something. I think I'll call one of the pastors. Or do you think, God, what, what do you want me to do? What can I do about that? I'll tell you, there's a lot of times in our church when somebody will come up to Paul or come up to me and, and they'll say, hey, I hear so-and-so's got a need. I don't want them to know. Hey, will you bless them with this and they'll give us something to go give to them? I think that's, I think that's part of being what the kingdom would have us to be. They're not looking for any glory for themselves. They just see somebody in need and they know they've got, a, got the ability to do a little bit of something to make that need help, to help with that need. You know, this week there was a family in our community had a fire and lost a bunch of stuff. And, you know, one of, one of our church members made us aware of it and we were able to send them out to Hope Thrift Center and they got a bunch of stuff out there at the Hope Thrift Center to help because they lost a lot of clothes and lost a lot of things. Because of your giving, Renee was able to go out and buy some of the essential things that they needed. Other people brought in, uh, brought in stuff for them, towels and other things that they needed. To kind of, this isn't a church family. This is a family somebody's told us about that we get to serve together. We just want them to know what, this is what we need to go out. We need to go out and do things in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's just do things in Jesus' name. See, God has no need of our generosity. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He gives to us because the world has need of our generosity. The people around us have the need. Now, let me give you a disclaimer here just so you're ready. A lot of times when people give, I know when I first started doing things like that, you'd expect people to be grateful. Sometimes they're not. So expect nothing in return except the pleasure of God. Don't expect them to come to church. Don't expect them to think you're great. Don't expect them to change their ways. Don't expect them to be transformed in an instant. That may be a series of things going to go on in their life of God revealing himself to them before they're ready. Our job is just to do what God leads us to do. That's our job. Now, if we get a chance to tell them about Christ, we certainly want to do it. If we get a chance to invite them to church, we certainly want to do it. But the call isn't that we say, we'll give you this gift if you do this. The call is to give the gift. Don't even expect to understand all that God leads you to do. You may not even understand why God's telling you to do something. When my mom and dad were, uh, went, to, went to Bible school, my dad had gotten out of the, out of the Marine Corps, wounded, got, got out before the war was over. He'd started a little trucking business and in the process really came to know Christ. In the process of really coming to know Christ, he gets called into the ministry and he sells the stuff that he has. Probably didn't make the smartest decision in the whole world. He, put it, he took all the things that he had and bought a brand new Packard. And heads off to Bible school. 
Now he's going down there. It wasn't the GI Bill yet. That hadn't been passed yet, but he had a, there was a public bill that had come through that was going to pay him to go to school and pay for his school. And as he went, as he and my mom went down to school, uh, some paperwork got mixed up and they went for a period of time, a month or so, maybe two months, where the money wasn't there. The school was patient. They knew it was coming. But they were living in, a, in, in a, some, some student housing, so they didn't, have, they didn't have any food. So they're down there with my sister, and my mom and dad are down there, and they've got no money. They sold the, the money's out in that Packard out in the front. They don't have any money, but they're driving around in a Packard, brand new one. One day, and, they're, and they're like, what are we going to do? They don't know what to do. They're, they're not telling anybody. I don't know if they had pride or if they, God just told them not to. I don't know what it was, but they, they didn't tell anybody their need. And one day a guy knocks on the door. This young guy, there he goes, he looks at him, he says, Dad says, he's kind of disgusted. He said, here, God told me to give you this. I handed him a $20 bill. He said, of all the people in this school, I know you're the one person who doesn't need it. But here it is. He didn't know he was the one person who really did need it. See, sometimes we don't know what God's doing when he does something through us. We look at all the outside stuff and we think we've got it all figured out. We don't know what else is going on. Our call is to be obedient. Our call is just to give with the saints. See, Jesus gave himself First of all, while we were still sinners. And he gave himself for all the sinners. Even when they wouldn't give back to him. And that's our call. That's what we're called to be. Do you want to, want to give a right response to God for his love? then give. Give at church. Give of your time. Give of your money. Give around your life. Begin to be a giver and a server. The greatest thing that you can do is just begin to serve others. And one of the great things you can begin to do is to begin to invite others to come to him. Now, parents, can, can I give you a little side note here? Every Sunday, your kids will get some tonight, every Sunday, we give your kids a piece of paper, some paper. In that paper, mom and dad, there are questions that you can use for discussion questions with your kids that will remind them of the lessons that they learn and give you a chance to enhance that lesson from your life and to share with them. This is a place you can give back to your kids. Don't miss that opportunity. Look for that lesson. We want to embed spiritual truth in our children. And the most important person to do that is mom and dad. This will teach you to have spiritual talks with them. And so if you have kids, look for that paper. Watch for it every week. If you miss it, you're not here, you can get online. It's online every week. And you can get the lessons and you can begin to have spiritual talks with your, with your kids. So here's this week's challenge. Recognize needs and do something. Do something. Get involved. Pray for them, but then do something.
do something. How does the Lord, how does Jesus being Lord change the world? Can you clearly, clearly say how Jesus being Lord, being the Christ, has changed you? I talked about this a little bit on the, on the Facebook vi- video we put out Sunday when we couldn't get to church because it was an ice rink outside. If you played hockey, you could have got here. See, I don't think you can be completely changed by him until you know him yourself and you know who you are yourself. I, I, I want to tell you about me. When I look at my life, I would tell you in a heartbeat. I'm a selfish, manipulative hedonist. That's what I am without Jesus. I'm not a pleasant guy to be around without Jesus. I'm a selfish guy without Jesus. I know that about myself. I've known that about myself for a long, long time. God has had some very serious talks with me around those issues. And the good thing about it is when you recognize it, you can begin to see it trying to rear its head in your life. You've got to be able to face who you are. And I would tell you, you need to be able to clearly look at yourself in the mirror and say, I know who you are without Jesus. I know what is natural in your sin nature. What's in our sin nature is different with each person. One person may have a heart that's just filled with lust. Your sin nature, you see some woman and your heart just explodes with lust. You may be a person who's addicted to pornography. And you know, left on your own and unaccountable, you're gonna, your flesh is so weak, you've got to bring some accountability into your life to beat this thing. You may be a deceiver. Somebody who lies to get their way and deceives other people. You may be a thief. There may be people in here, you could walk by, you know, thousands of dollars laying on a counter and never take one of them. There may be a few of us in this room that if you walk by that, you'd be real tempted to go, nobody will miss that one. Maybe it's anger. Ever been around somebody who just had a tendency to anger? Maybe you just have a tendency to be controlling. You've got to have your way. See, until you face that about yourself, until you let the Holy Spirit challenge you about the, what you are without the redeeming power of Jesus in you, you're never going to fully conquer it. You're going to make excuses for it. You're going to, you know, some way put a religious tent on it and think that, yeah, I'm controlling because I'm right. Ever heard that one? Let, let, me, let me just, let me tell you. It's not comfortable to face ourselves. It's not comfortable to really dig deep and to say, who am I? What am I? 
We don't even like to face it in our society. We try to paint everything up as a disease. We want to paint everything up as they're just being young. Let me tell you one story. I was years ago, some of you remember this, we had a bunch of senior, senior uh, uh, pastors in that all retired. We had them in for a day, and we had a big time with them. We celebrated them, gave them gifts, and just did stuff with them. It was a fun, fun Sunday. And uh, was, we had two services back then, and they were gonna, and Sunday school in between, and they were going to teach Sunday school. So they'd been in the first service, and I took them out and got them breakfast, and Dad was preaching that day. And, and so I'm sitting with them in the back room, and here's the conversation. Hey, do you go to Joe's funeral? Yeah, I went to Joe's funeral. How many did he draw? How many did he draw? He had 20 people to funeral. See, see, he made a mistake. He left the city he ministered. He shouldn't have done that. He should have stayed in the city he ministered in. How about, you know, and they named somebody else. Did you go to his funeral? Yeah, he had hundreds of people at his funeral. See, he stayed in the city he ministered in. It was all, the, the, the celebration was how many people came to their funeral. And, and finally, one of them, they were talking about somebody who had passed away. These are all people in their 80s at this point in time, 70s and 80s. And one of them looked and said, how about, uh, how about you know, I forget her, her name, Joanne. And, and the guy said, yeah, she, Joanne was one of these guys' daughters. Okay, are you with me? So they're talking, and she says, he says, uh, well, Joanne's still going through her rebellious stage. Really? Yeah, she's still going through her rebellious stage. I say, well, how old is she now? She's 57. You know, if you're 57, you're no longer in a rebellious stage. You're just an out-and-out sin. That's what you're in. We've got to be able to face who we are. That's, that's why I share that story. We've got to face who we are. You've got to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, the enemy knows who you are. He knows how to get you off to the side and work who you are. But when you know who you are, you are aware of who you are. You're not trying to be some self-righteous thing. You're depending on the righteousness of Christ. It keeps us in that place where we don't think we're better than anybody else because we're not. There's not one of us better than anybody else in this room. We are all sinners. We are all saved by grace. The deepest, vilest sinner in this room has the same opportunity to cry out to Christ and be born again and washed clean as anybody else in this room. We all need the fullness of Jesus in our life. So we might as well just face who we are and let God protect us from it recognize it and say, God, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to be formed in that image anymore. I want to be formed in the image of Jesus Christ. Listen, the world can't be a good place with people like me in it. The world can't be a good place, hold on, with people like you in it. It can only be a good place with people like Jesus in it. Jesus is the greatest lover of people who ever walked this earth. And because he loved me when I was still a sinner, he can change me and transform me. And he can do that for you. And we need him to do it for us.
Amen? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering. Father, I thank you for these men and women who are hungry enough for you to say, I'm going to go to Sunday church on Wednesday night. Uh, Lord, I thank you for them, and I pray that this word, word would feed their soul today. I pray that this word would give them strength today. I pray that this word would bring revelation to them. And, Father, in the days ahead when they see a need, Father, we would begin to change our community, change our workplaces, and change our homes by doing something about it, by using our gifts and our abilities to bless others. Let us be a church that lets our light shine brightly because you shine through us. And Lord, tonight I just pray you'd let us be serious about who we are and to look deeply into our spirits and to begin to recognize who we are without you. Father, I'm, I'm so, so ashamed of my life without you. And I am so grateful for your mercy, your forgiveness, your love, and your transforming power. And yet I know, Lord, every moment of my life, I've got to hold on tight to you. Because without you, I'd revert back to being me. And this world can't be a good place with me in it. Lord, help us all to be formed in the image of your Son. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the guys to come up, and I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down to the front. And tonight, you know, it's, it's a, a nice service. We don't have another service coming in, and... and we're going to open the altars if you have a need. You need to get your life right with God or you just have some need in your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're going to a tough place at Christmas this week and you just need strength. Whatever it is, come down and let somebody pray with you for just a moment or two. But before you go tonight, will you take a moment and just let the Spirit speak to you this isn't to beat you up. This is to see how great Jesus is. This is to prepare us for the right battle. To know where the right battlefields are. This isn't about leaving here feeling bad about ourselves. It's about leaving here being grateful for who Jesus is and who Jesus is making us in to be. Are you getting that? I don't like what I am without him. I, I love what he's making me into. And I'm grateful for what he's doing. But I'm, I'm telling you, you've got to know who you are. Will you take a moment and as, as they lead us in worship, just say, God, who am I? Now, l listen, listen, I want to warn you. God may tell you something and, you, and, and our tendency is to make excuses for it. Especially if it's something like anger or controlling or you know, manipulative. We, we, make, we make excuses. Oh, I'm only that way because that's the only way to get things done. No, 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 no. You got you to set all that aside. You got to face what we are. 
better to have his way than our way. So let God speak to your heart tonight. Would you do that? Just bow your heads, take a moment. If you want to come down and ask somebody to pray with you for any need, come on down. And a few moments after we sing this song, a time or two, uh, Dan will dismiss you. God bless you tonight. Thanks for being here.